The Athletic. And welcome back to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. Coming up on this week's show. Newcastle squander a half-time lead at home against West Ham. Joe Willock over the line, defensive reinforcements may be on the way. We'll have a look at the transfers. And George has a triumphant return, and Chris hits his very own landmark as well. Hello, and welcome along to Pod in the Time, your definitive weekly podcast on Newcastle United from The Athletic. My name's Taylor Payne, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome back for the first time this season... Mr. George Corgan. George, how the devil are you, dear boy? I'm wonderful, thank you. Yes, how are you? Good stuff. I'm great, mate. I'm all the better now for hearing your voice. When did we become definitive? Well, you know, <laughs> I don't know. How do you define definitiveness? <laughs> I don't know. The de- yeah, what's the definition of definitive? I mean, I thought half-assed. I mean, your half-assed <laughs> weekly podcast on Newcastle United, courtesy of The Athletic, would be more appropriate and accurate. I'm just worried about... Mm. You know, I'm just worried about breaching trades descriptions. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to be getting any bother, do we? To be yeah. honest. Um, and Chris as well. Chris, welcome back. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, uh, we spoke the last couple of weeks running, and now we've got George back with us. So the three of us are reunited. And Chris, it's been a big, uh, been a big week for you, hasn't it? Uh, yes, it was my birthday yesterday, so it's a Tuesday, and Monday was my congratulations. Birthday, so. It was a big one as well, wasn't it? It was a big one. It was. Chris, how old were you, Chris? Come on, I was three zero thirty. 30 years old. Jesus, Chris. The, the astonishing thing about that is that um, Chris was born 50, which means that he's now <laughs> minus 20. Um, I, I, thought that, I thought that when we like started Benjamin this... Benjamin Button. Yeah, I thought that when we started this gig that I was like the elder statesman, but, but Chris is very much the sort of older, elder brother figure in this relationship. He's the one that keeps me on the straight and narrow. Chris has very much been 45 since the day I met him. Yes, yes. So, um, yeah, Fantastic. but he's, he's, he's officially old now, so that's good. Well, I am, I, am a, I am a dinosaur, yeah, and we've brought back George to try and uh, bring the age gap down again. How, how old are you, George? Yeah, I mean, let's, let's just let's, let's, let's move on. Let's, let's you move can't on. put a number on these things, can you, George? You can't. No, I'd prefer not to, definitely. Exactly. It's, he's worldly wise, is George. He's got experience. That's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. Uh, Chris, even though it's been your big birthday this week as well, you've been a busy boy, haven't you? Breaking down the Joe Willock transfer that's just gone through uh, and detailing potential centre-half deals and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and we know that's desperately needed at the minute. George, how about you? Are you, uh, you back to being busy again? Well, I'm getting my feet back under the table. So in other words, you know, that's, um, that's a euphemism for not doing anything. Um, <laughs> so I'm just trying to sort stuff out, really, and uh, make make plans. But... 
But uh, but yes, I was involved with uh, with the Shearer Callum Wilson interview mm-hmm. uh, just before I went away, which was fantastic, which by the way, which was, which was good fun. And um, I've been reading reading Chris um, while I've been away, and I've been listening listening to you two you two fellas. It's uh, yeah, great to be great to be back, and I actually mean that. Which um, which is is that because there's no quiz? I'm pleased that there's no quiz at the minute because I definitely needed to recharge my quiz batteries. I think that's true. I was getting very, I was getting very um, hacked off towards the end of the season. We said last week that that was the theory of why you were away for a few weeks was because you were just sitting, going through Wikipedia, looking at different quiz answers. I have been, do- I have been doing that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get back to the quiz when we're sort of two thirds of the way through the season and Newcastle is 17th, and it's like, what the yeah. fuck are we be talking about? Let's just do a quiz. <laughs> Yeah, when the football's so shit that we don't want to have to deal with it anymore. Yeah, Chris, what about you, mate? Anything, anything good on the horizon? Um, well, I'm going to probably be doing something on sort of Sean Longstaff, looking at his situation over the next couple mm. of days, uh, detailing sort of obviously since he first broke into the team, and then he's had a uh, difficult couple of years, and and what his sort of future might hold, and and that, and that sort of situation. Then he has, as, as you touch upon, looked after the game. On Sunday, at the centre back situation and how Newcastle desperately need one, Steve Bruce wants one, and mm. they sort of lack and pace in those areas and some defensive frailties, which we're going to go into, I'm sure. And the Willock, de- I mean, the Willock deal is has been a it's been a sort of summer long saga. So that piece uh, in collaboration with James McNicholas, our Arsenal reporter, sort of looking at uh, explaining exactly what happened this summer, how it finally came about, how Newcastle were able to afford to sign him for for more than twenty million pounds, and how that transfer. Thankfully, finally gave Newcastle a signing this summer. Fantastic stuff. Yes. So, to celebrate the start of the new Premier League season, The Athletic are offering 33% discount on subscriptions. That's a third off the regular price, and you can get full access to the same great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, such as George Cogan and Chris Woff, as well as ad-free versions of all of the podcasts, including this very one here. So get yourself to theathletic.com forward slash Pod and take advantage of that special offer. That's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Hurry yourselves along. Come on, you Maggies. Before we get on to the, the, the West Ham game, obviously everyone will want us to, to kind of react to that and think about that. Um, but the big news this week really was, was Joe Willock signing, wasn't it? And it's been the only transfer that anyone's been talking about. And until it actually happened, nobody kind of thought it was going to, and definitely not on a permanent basis. But it has happened. And Joe Willock has moved from Arsenal to Newcastle for a fee in excess of £20 million. Chris, the club deserve a bit of credit for this, for getting it done, don't they? I think they they do, yeah. I mean, overall, I see this as a, as a positive deal. I'll go into a bit later on why I think that there are some risks in terms of Newcastle's transfer policy this summer. But Joe Willock, I didn't. I have to be honest. In May, I didn't think it'd be possible that Joe Willock could come back on a permanent basis for most of the summer. I don't think Newcastle did, and certainly to begin with, they were working on the basis of trying to agree another loan. Willock, I believe, would have preferred that as well. And I mean, when we came on the podcast last week, I'd got the sort of positive soundings just before the podcast that some things had been ironed out and there had been, but equally more sort of issues in terms of personal agreements came up after that. And it took another few days and Newcastle couldn't get him registered in time for West Ham, although even if they had, I don't think he'd really been fit enough to play because he hasn't played that much in pre-season for Arsenal. But for Newcastle to have signed a a 21-year-old potential future England international someone who scored seven goals in seven games towards the end of last season, really good player, potential sell-on value, all of that. I think 
is I think it is a, a, a relative statement signing for Newcastle. I think there is a lot of positive to it. it was there were number one sign in the summer. Steve Bruce made no uh, secret of that. He said it before the end of last season. He said it consistently throughout preseason when he's asked him for Newcastle to have finally gone and done it, given the the financial constraints that we know are behind the scenes. I don't think they would have spent twenty million pound on anyone else or more than twenty million pound on anyone else. I think it was only will it go bust really on that front, and so they finally do it. I think they do deserve relative credit for that. Yeah, I mean, Newcastle, had, there was rumours going around about what the sort of transfer budget was going to be for this window. And it, it, is it a feeling, George, that they may be putting all their eggs in one basket with Joe Willock here? Oh, I mean, I think in terms of paying money for a player, I mean, all the all the uh, all the noises that uh, that Chris and, and that we've been getting throughout the summer is that that's that, and that whatever else happens now, it'll be loans. I mean, unless unless something kind of startling happens, and I think when Steve Bruce talked about the club club going above and beyond, I think that's what he's talking about. That um, you know, twenty million quid or so is is sort of more than the club envisage paying in paying paying out this summer so so yeah in that sense and I, I think I mean I, I agree with everything that, that Chris said there I think it is important I think it's I think it's important emotionally in some ways because it felt like so it felt like to me anyway that this the, the, the sort of narrative had, had kind of grown up around this signing that if it didn't happen the window would automatically be a failure because here you have uh, a kid who's come in, he's you know scored scored eight goals in eleven starts in the league for for Newcastle. He's obviously enjoyed it. Fans, albeit not in the stadium, in you know loved him. The manager wanted him, so it was all there set up. And you know, I think you sort of had it that feel that horrible feeling in your bones that it felt like such a tap in in that sense. You know, in, in that very basic sense, that if it didn't happen, it would automatically be a failure. So it has happened, and the club have had to be very patient. There's been a lot of frustration around the fact that they've not done done anything, but they've got it and they've done it. And so, yes, they they deserve credit. I mean, you know, we have to remember that this is a this is a lad who's played eleven, you know, started eleven games for Newcastle. So still a young boy, isn't he? He's very young, and. Um, you know, uh, he's got a lot to do and a lot to prove. But no, it's. I think. I think from that perspective, we have to be pleased. You know, I know this is something I've said before, Taylor. I, I know that's something you've said as well. Certainly on social media, we have to remember that this basically gets Newcastle's squad back to where it was at the end of last season. And yes, he signed permanently and on a very long-term contract. And so, you know, that's that's theoretically very very good news indeed. But. Newcastle's squad will come on to talk to this, I'm sure, in more depth. But um, you know, effectively, is is the same as it was towards the end of the last season, and in fact, a little bit weaker. Bearing in mind they've also lost, you know, Andy Carroll and and so on and so forth. So um, there is still work to be done. But no, I'm very I'm very happy to see him back and looking forward to looking forward to seeing him integrated into the team again. Absolutely. And there's been a question on the real-time feed on the Athletic app from Vic B. Is there concrete interest in centre-backs, Chris? Uh, There's been Rob Holden's been mentioned and Cameron Carter-Vickers as well. Is there a a concrete interest there from the club to get a centre-back in? Well, Rob Holding was someone that they had an agreement to sign on loan uh, at the start of last season and then um, Mikel Arteta decided to keep him at Arsenal, so, so that fell through and that... Uh, sort of left Newcastle in a difficult situation last summer because I thought he wanted. I mean, Bruce has wanted a centre back for the best part of eighteen months, if not longer, really, and he hasn't actually signed one. Um, Cameron Carter Vickers at, at um, Spurs is someone they like. He's someone who Graham Jones has worked with previously. 
they've definitely had an interest in him. I don't know how far it's gone. I haven't heard much of an update on that recently. They'd looked at William Saliba at Arsenal early in the summer and he opted to go to Marseille instead. They wanted him on loan. Um, they've had a few other ones. Twansebi at Axel Twansebi. We talked about him last week. He's gone back to Aston Villa. He was someone he hoped as well. Now, my understanding is what Newcastle want or what they've sort of briefed um, recruitment officials that want is they want a, a player who can play on the left-hand side of a back three. Doesn't have to be left-footed necessarily, but someone who can either carry the ball or is a bit more comfortable um, passing the ball and also has a bit more pace, which at the weekend, as we saw, they need more pace in those wider centre-back areas if they're going to play with three at the back. So con- concrete interest, I don't know beyond that in terms of specific names and, and where they stand with them. All I know is that they have basically Steve Bruce's has spoken to the sort of top eight clubs and said if there are players who are available on loan, we would be very much interested in at least considering who they may be, centre-backs and, and midfielders. They're the two areas they're looking at. They still want a sort of number six combative midfielder as well. They're the two priorities now. Um, and it, I mean, George mentioned earlier that, that it looked like it was only going to be one permanent. There still is a possibility of that. It's sort of been suggested to me over the last week or so that maybe the Willick money is, is because... That they went and signed him permanently, whether they didn't expect necessarily expect they would. There may be a little bit of money f- for one more permanent, but that's I think that they would have to fit the criteria again of sort of being under twenty four, sell on potential. I don't think there's loads of money, so ideally Newcastle will be prioritising the loan market. And Steve Bruce after the game on Sunday said, asked him whether anything was close, and he said he said nothing was imminent on that front. So he says they've they've still I think he's used the term a few times where he says a few things bubbling away, but nothing necessarily imminent. Yeah, he likes that, doesn't he? Got a few pots boiling, a few plates spinning, another kitchen-based uh, metaphors. Well, thanks for the update, Chris. We'll keep our eyes on that one. Uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a second to talk about that West Ham defeat. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Right, so Newcastle United back in Premier League action uh, against West Ham at St James's Park on Sunday afternoon. Went 2-1 in the lead uh, in the first half and ended up capitulating uh, an England cricket-style button collapse and a 4-2 defeat at the end. Um, how did we say this? George, I mean, were you there in the stadium at the time? I mean, it must have been fantastic having all those fans back in the ground and stuff. No, I didn't see it at all. Which you is, weren't um, there, oh. which is absolutely my favourite way of um, consuming Newcastle. Um, that, that's the recommended. No, that, uh... that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's 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 actually slightly harsh, uh, bearing in mind the game. But no, in fact, I was I've been away for a couple of weeks, and I was um, I was driving up the A the A one. So, but so I made a silly point to start with. But I, I listened to it on the radio, and honestly, it sounded brilliant. I mean, it the noise sounded, was great. Well. And that, when I was thinking to myself, I was like, oh, I should be watching this, really. But they were so excited. Um, Ian Dennis was doing the uh, commentary on, on Radio 1, who I love. Denno's, he's a great lad. And he was, you know, they they were obviously, I don't want to say emotional, but he and Neil Lennon, who was doing the Coven, they were kind of blown away by the noise. And so, yes, I wish I had been there. But to hear it like that was just great. And then 
they spoke with sort of huge enthusiasm about you know the first half half an hour the first half um and um i have now watched the i have now watched the game back and um yeah i mean there's 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 sort of a lock a lot to one pack isn't there but but i suppose if i'm if i'm I'm not known for my positivity, but I, I do want to be positive about the noise and people being back there. And 50,000 people, you know, we, uh, a lot of the stuff that came out when when tickets went on sale were the, oh, there's going to be 10,000 people missing. And anyway, for good or bad, right or wrong, there were 50,000 people there, which is pretty incredible. And I think the positive thing that I would take take from the performance is that we actually saw Newcastle have a go. And for a lot of the time over the past couple of years we've been complaining that not only do Newcastle not have a go they also don't defend they just sit back and, and do nothing I mean apart from sort of counter-attack and yes there was an uptick at the end of last season but we've spent a lot of time talking about that about how passive Newcastle are and they weren't passive in that game certainly in the first half and so and seeing St. Maximan do his trickery against Declan Rice. Fabulous, wasn't and it? And fire the ball over. And there's and there's Callum Wilson wearing the number nine shirt, getting a goal in front. And it was like, yes, this is this is what we want. That really put me in mind of um of Tino Aspria and Les Ferdinand against uh, yeah, yeah, against yeah. Borough, the the sort of twisting back and forwards and then the little cross and he got across the front post and nodded it in. I thought, wow, that's that's fantastic to see that. I really love it. And bless Declan Rice, they had to unscrew him from the turf, didn't they? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was a wonderful so, moment. So, so I, I suppose that's the stuff that has that has that has stuck with me. But there's there's also kind of some very familiar stuff that we should talk about as well. So, but yeah, I mean, the noise and I guess the potential are the kind of are the are the positive things that um, yeah. I'd want to think about. Chris, it was like a big cathartic kind of release, wasn't it? Friends and family reuniting in the stadium and stuff and people coming back to the game for the first time. And, you know, there was lots of great posts on social media, people uh, meeting up with their pals for drinks and stuff. But good old Newcastle United, they know how to put a damn or in an afternoon, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I want to start with, with, the, with the positives, like George said, and particularly fans being back. And it was, I mean, first watching... Brentford against Arsenal on Friday. That was just wonderful. Just, oh, just how different the football, and it was a completely different game we watched last season. Um, it was, it, 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 it is almost a different sport uh, when you have fans back in. And, and I think that the first 10, 15 minutes, that it was almost the crowd that carried the game as well. It was, a, it was an excellent first. In terms of if you were neutral watching the first, probably certainly first forty-five minutes, probably the first hour. Breakneck, wasn't it? It was just an enemy. There's no defending, but in terms no. of <laughs> both teams attacking, it was, it was fantastic. I mean, obviously, early on, there's the shot cleared off the lane by um, uh, was it Miguel Almiron? Clears off the lane from Newcastle, then Newcastle go up the other end and score early on through Wilson and the noise at that point, and just yeah, that release and seeing people celebrating again, seeing the players celebrating, yeah. and seeing Jacob Murphy and how much it meant to him to score his first goal at, at St James's Park and in front of fans. And imagine how different that would have been if he'd scored last season when supporters aren't there. And so, with with fans being back, that that was wonderful. And I also that yeah, just that first half surprised me in terms of how enjoyable the game was. We watched so much crap last season it was so turgid for so long and just to see that sort of the openness of the game which was alarming in some ways and in one way which we're going to talk about in a second but in many ways just to to see an actual exciting performance um which yes turned sour later on but to to, to even get enthused by that and at half time to have that sort of positive feeling and to have everyone 
back and, and enthused. And obviously, Joe Willett coming on the pitch beforehand helped that, even yes. if he looked miserable as sin. <laughs> He didn't crack a smile at all. It was pissing uh, down though, Chris, wasn't it? You know, let's be fair. It was, yeah. I mean, he did, he did, he did pump the badge as he came off, but yeah, it was a bit, bit strange. That he didn't, didn't smile even more. I suppose it must be strange as well for him to be introduced to, to loads of people. Mm. But, um, but yeah, that, that sort of set the tone. His mum was loving it, though, wasn't she? And, she was. Uh, t- yeah, she was bopping away when the um, camera, camera panned to her. Um, I saw, which was very sweet. Um, it was a real shame we couldn't get him involved on Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah, although, as I say, I don't think you would have started even if I got it through, but it would have been nice to maybe introduce them later on in the game. They lacked someone, like they sort of needed a Joe Willock player, someone with a bit of energy to come on in the second half because it sort of dissipated quite quickly for Newcastle after the hour mark. It did. I mean, Newcastle were really prepared to commit men forward in that first half, which we love, um, but that, that defence looks quite precarious, doesn't it, George? Let's be honest, there's there's some holes appearing there. Yeah, I mean, I think the... The the bigger picture hasn't really changed very much, which is that um, you know it's we are still in the sort of territory of Rafa's short blanket. So you you solve you solve one problem, and that immediately opens up another another problem. And you know I think we're very much still in that in that uh, in that position. I mean I think it's worth you know Chris Chris would have these stats more readily than than me but you know there were players on the pitch like St Maxima who's had illness for for a fair while to others who've not had very much football and um I think that told in the second half in particular I mean you do expect players to be fit at the end of pre-season but it it did strike me that you know that that some were probably suffering from a lack of game game time in particular and yes there were there were those you know there were kind of the thorny problems um that we've been familiar with Richie and Murphy did provide you know did provide things going forward much like they did at the end of last season but we have to remember that their wingers playing as wing backs we had Kraft playing as a center half and he's a full back um uh, Isaac Hayden, you know, w- was playing in a midfield role, but it wasn't his midfield role to start with. And so, you, if you think about it like that, Almiron again not playing in his necessarily playing in his natural position. You have all that sort of stuff going on. And yeah, as Chris talked about earlier, in terms of sort of centre halves, there is definitely a lack of pace uh, there. And when you put those things together, um, the wing backs and the and the midfield and the centre halves. There was a lack of. It did feel like that there was a lack of rigor there, and you know the other point worth making about that is that if Newcastle's style has changed and they are being more offensive, it's not a case anymore of having all those numbers at the back and you know sitting back, sitting back, taking all those punches, but basically bodies getting in the way and. You know, then having a chance to sort of get up the pitch. If they're getting up the pitch to start with, they're stretched and therefore they're exposed, and so that creates a whole, a whole new wave of problems. So, it feels to me like there is a lot of, a lot of work still to be done there. And yes, effectively, that is the same problem that Newcastle have had since they've come back into the Premier League. That there is no sort of set system. Uh, that, you know, again to use another Benitezism. Um, it's it's balance, you know. It's it's the short blanket and it's balance. And at the moment, Newcastle are not balanced. Yes, I do not there was that uh, slightly 
controversial, dodgy penalty decision in the uh, in the second half as well, which is, from what I've seen universally, people have been saying that it shouldn't have been a pen. Um, and Steve Bruce seemed keen to talk about it, uh, but was it really as pivotal as, as it's been made out, or, or or was it a was it a game changing moment, or was it just one of those things that doesn't go your way? I think it was it was pivotal in one sense, but what's almost been forgotten about is that the penalty was missed. The penalty was a big move. Yeah. Newcastle didn't yeah. track in, and that was what I had more of an issue. I mean, the it was only Richie on that side of the box with two with two West Ham. Yeah, players, and that it? sort of summed up Newcastle defensively all afternoon. Sort of out of position, um, not covering back enough, gaps appearing everywhere. And when George talks about, he's right that Newcastle previously had a lot of bodies back. And what's different about this system to when Newcastle played three at the back previously was three at the back was largely defensive for Newcastle and so the wing backs would stay deeper now they're being encouraged to go forward but the centre backs aren't really quick enough or the wider centre backs aren't really quick enough to cover across and I, fe- I really felt for Freddie Woodman on his Premier League debut I, know, I oh, saw absolutely. a few people on social yeah. media criticising him and yes he wasn't necessarily as dominant in the air but this, is his, this was his Premier League debut and even though he's played in the Championship 90 odd games the last couple of years to to have made a couple of really good saves. First half, he made a really good save from Ben Rama. He saves the penalty. And what, what help did he get from his teammates? I mean, he couldn't no, have done anything yeah. about any of the four goals. And that's yeah. where was, I sort of really felt from. spitting feathers as well, wasn't he? He was rightly furious about that. Yeah, and, and, Absolutely. and, and rightly so. And I mean, I'd, as a, before concentrating on the negative, I'd, I would say that what we saw on Sunday, it's what we sort of knew already. We've said if, if Alan St. Maximan and Callum Wilson are on the pitch, Newcastle will score goals because Cal- mm, Alan St. Maximan, yeah. he might not last full 90 minutes of games, but early on he can create problems, create havoc. Um, yes, sold Declan Rice down a river several times before the first goal, but then Rice <laughs> sort of got yeah. his payback in the rest of the match by being excellent second yeah. half and dominating the game. And Wilson taking his opportunity, but those players faded um, and the the issue with this system is I understand why Newcastle are trying to play it. I think it's probably is getting more out of Sat Maximan and Wilson. It'll get more out of Willick and he really suits it. But elsewhere it feels like a lot of square pegs and round holes. Yes, George mentioned absolutely. Isaac Hayden. I mean Isaac Hayden started the game, played an unfamiliar number eight role. You could see he was actively trying to get forward. He was doing things that weren't necessarily natural to him, trying to cross the ball in the box and, and maybe a few times got in those positions and, and was struggling. So he's he's trying to change his mentality to do that. Then he's asked at one point to shift back into the position which is his natural position. And then he's asked again to move into centre-back. So he's, he moves from a position of being asked to be an attacking player to suddenly be a defensive player. And that sort of said a lot to me about the, the square pegs and round hole. Miguel Almiron, George mentioned about fitness. Almiron had only played 45 minutes in pre-season. And he, he, he gets put in that midfield with John Joe Shelby, who'd only played 90 minutes in pre-season and had, had an injury. And that's what, before all of last week, I, I'd said I, my prediction was Newcastle, to West Ham too and I actually could I thought that if a team was going to win it the more likelihood it would be Newcastle but then as soon as I saw the team on Sunday the centre-halves concerned me and that was sure to be the case but also the midfield was that lack of of game time for at least two of them and the fact that Hayden was going to have to do a heck of a lot of running and second half the midfield was where the game was lost the the, the defence there was a lot of issues but Newcastle just got completely overrun and Declan Rice controlled the game and that for me it highlights why Bruce wants another midfielder, but it also just concerns me in terms of because then Fraser comes on in midfield. The issue to try and solve midfield by bringing on a winger who you're trying to convert into a number eight as to be the answer was was a strange sort. And he basically didn't have a midfield or and not a natural midfield for large parts of the second half. And that's where I just think there are a few 
problems with, with this system which which really need ironing out and maybe they do need to be ironed out in the transfer market because I think the squad in many ways is unbalanced to fit it. George, um, I'm just going to drop a question in here from the from the real-time feed from Thomas F. Uh, on the Athletic app. He said, is it a fair assessment of Newcastle's tactics that there doesn't seem to be a plan B at the minute? Did you get that feeling? Oh, I mean, from watching, you know, from watching it on Sunday, it certainly feels like that because... Um, because as I say, you know, it, it disintegrated and you have that, which is a f- quite a familiar feeling from watching Newcastle. It's sort of like it disintegrated pretty quickly. But I think, yeah, I think that did have certainly something to do with fitness. And I think it also has something to do with squad depth. Chris Chris and I have, have, have kind of had a chat before, so I'm kind of stealing his line here in some ways. But when you see Callum Wilson come off and be replaced with Jalinton, you're sort of thinking to yourself, well... <laughs> You know, really, what's going to ha- you know what what happens? How is that going to change the game for a you know in a in a positive way? And I think that is the problem that if Wilson and St Maximan aren't able to you know aren't able to make a breakthrough or aren't able to get Newcastle back into a game, what do they have after that? And that is one of my fears, um, sort of you, you know medium term, longer term. Okay, so Wilson gets injured again. They're left with D- Dwight Gale as a striker, and that's pretty much it. And and um, you know, for all that he's uh, he's he's still at Newcastle, uh, you know, there aren't a guarantee of Premier League goals there, and there aren't a guarantee of goals anywhere in the squad. So that is my problem. It does feel like that, and yes, sometimes it feels like players are kind of being thrown onto the pitch, and it's 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 that sort of sense of. Go on and do something. I'm hoping sh- for the best. Hoping for the best. I'm sure that's not. I mean, I'm sure that's not true. I'm sure. I'm sure that there are that, that there are sort of more more demands put on them than that. But I think I, th- I do think. I mean, I'm not sure that. I suppose what I'm trying to say is I'm not sure that West Ham is necessarily the best example simply because of those fitness concerns. Um, and but I think the bigger concern is that you know I don't think Newcastle's squad allows much of a plan B. I think it relies so heavily on St Maxima and Wilson. And perhaps now with, you know, with with Willock coming back in, you know, that will change a bit. But yeah, no, I think that's a fair. I mean, I think I, I do think that's a fair concern, yeah. Absolutely. So Chris ahead of head of the Villa game, what needs to change from Newcastle? Is there is the do you think there's a likely to be a change in system or do you think they'll they'll sort of plough ahead with this 5-3-2 and keep it keep it as it's been? I can't see them changing system for for Sunday. I think that we'll see this system to at least the international break, and if not long. I mean, the idea is that this is what's going to be long term. The the problem when you speak to some people behind the scenes is that they're just not. If things go wrong, they're not convinced that this is necessarily what is it, it, the 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 coaching staff and management believe is is the long term strategy. It's it's worked for now, and that's what they're they're going to. But it's not necessarily exactly how they want the team to play, and that that is maybe the concern there. I I, I think. Willick, it'll be interesting to see how much, uh, how fit I think Willick is and whether he starts next week because I do think he will make a difference in terms of adding energy in midfield. Um, and defensively, if they can get Jamal Lascelles back fit, it was it. Steve Bruce said that um, after the game when we asked him about Lascelles, he was talking about how he had his operation towards the end of last season and he didn't play that much in pre-season but the same was true with Kieran Clark so there was an, I think there was an element of fitness but also what Bruce the balance of the defense Bruce opted for but I think Newcastle lacked a bit of leadership and maybe Lascelles comes back into the team and that could be quite important in that sense I do think Sunday, Saturday is a very interesting game for both teams Villa the post-Grealish Villa obviously got turned over at Watford 
and I think there were uh, alarm bells ringing in Essen. So it's a big game for them, and I think for Newcastle, if they can get a positive result, then it gives them a little bit of of much momentum. Otherwise, they then go into a week where they play Burnley in the League Cup and Southampton at home, which would become two absolutely massive games. So I think it's important for both teams on Saturday that, that they get a positive result. And so in that sense, I'd like to see Newcastle not change their style completely, but maybe just tighten up a little bit. Because if they're if they're that open at Villa, then I think Villa will, will fancy their chances at Villa Park. Yeah, just just very briefly on that. I mean. Um, you know, Callum Wilson. Callum Wilson said that. I'm, I, I'm sure it was in his uh, his interview with with Shearer that you know, the club are committed to playing, or, or the manager is committed to playing five three two this or three five two this season. Um, and um, you know, that's also been our our understanding from other kind of first team elements. I mean, so that is you know, there is a definite. This is the definite idea is that they're starting playing this system, and I, and. You know there is a commitment to it in terms of who they're trying to target still in the transfer market. So I think I think it's I think that's more of a commitment than we've seen so far to a system. You know one of our kind of big criticisms, particularly last season, was how Newcastle bounced bounced between formations and systems as soon as there was a bad result or a sort of very bad result, and then they tried something else. I you know my my sort of guess is that this will. You know that that will continue being a theme. That as soon as we get to a kind of very bad result, which at some point will, you know, I'm sure will happen, that things may change again. But it 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 at this point it feels a bit a bit different. That um, you know, that this is this is the system. There is a commitment to, and so there'll be an effort to try and make it work. Good stuff. Uh, just before we move on, and we're, we're going to talk a little bit about some youth team stuff and, and give you some reasons to be cheerful as well. Uh, just another quick question to drop in here uh, from David S. He's he's making a good point here about Newcastle's passing. Um, and he said, I haven't heard many people talk about this, but I thought Newcastle had one of their best passing performances of the last couple of years. Often last season, we looked dangerous solely because of how fast we were able to transition. But at times on Sunday... For once, we showed some neat interplay in all different areas of the pitch. Um, as soon as Shelby left the field, however, this seemed to disappear. So this begs the question, do we have anybody else in the squad who can play in that sort of quarterback role, but not necessarily with Hollywood passes? Somebody who just kind of connects play and links the different parts of the team. Um, Chris, what do you think? Passing-wise, I thought I thought there was times when Newcastle pinged the ball about quite nicely. I thought first half, Shelby was effective. Um, and I do, I do see the logic offensively and having them there in the sense that Newcastle want to release the likes of Sam Maximan and Wilson through the channels, even Almiron to a certain extent, even if he's playing as a as a number eight. And I do think that that is effective. My concern is him as the deep line player, so off the ball, certainly second half on Sunday, where the sort of deficiencies are there. And that's why I'd, I'd ideally, I do think Newcastle need two really deeper players if you're going to have Shelby doing that I think it would be useful to have someone like Hayden in alongside him but if it isn't going to be Shelby then I suppose the alternative might be to have someone like Fabian Scher as the right-sided centre-back um, and then he would be maybe maybe able to play the balls from deep and, and get Newcastle higher up the field the passing was improved I still think they they need to improve on that they, they tried to play through the lines during pre-season and there was times it worked but they still look most effective on the counter-attack 
Um, and I do. There were also times where they were caught out in preseason. Yes. The likes of Fernandez yeah. and the Cells trying to play it out from the back, and because they're not the most comfortable at doing that, then they ended up giving the ball away. And so it, I think that is something which is going to take a bit of time, particularly if they can't sign players in the in the transfer market because it's just not what they're used to and not the natural games. And, and by the way, can anybody else do it? Well, Fabian Fabian Scherer has done it in the past, and you know Benitez didn't trust Shelby, which is why he didn't really play him um, towards the end. And and Scherer sort of had that role. I mean, it was that was more of a kind of searching pass sort of role, but um, but he he can do it. And you know what that meant back then was was Hayden and Sean Longstaff sitting in front of the sitting in front of the defence. But again, you know that would. That would probably that would probably involve uh, a change of formation, unless of course Cher played in midfield. Absolutely right. Then, well, there we go. Let's move on. So a little bit of um, under-23 youth team news as well. Gary Caldwell, uh, a former answer on the quiz, George, if you remember rightly, uh, has been appointed to the under-23's development role, replacing the outgoing Chris Hogg. Uh, It's understood to be a short-term appointment uh, for a man who's had several managerial posts down the years. Um, What do we think with the youth youth side of things at the minute? Do do you feel like there's some kind of coherent strategy from from Newcastle with regards to youth team, George? Well, I'm... Very, very pleased that Steve Harper has got the role permanently. And, and yeah, we mentioned uh, that last week. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, people might say that I would say that, but um, it's a it's a position that he's he's wanted, and um, you know, I think I think the benefit to that is that he will uh, he will be able to sort of connect the academy to the first team in a way that I think has possibly been lacking a bit, and you know, he's a very very intelligent fella with a passion for the team and um, who sort of understands the way the club works. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's the best man to, to run the economy, except that he's also sort of done, uh, you know, done a, done a degree in, in sort of club management and and, and, and sort of how that works. I, I just think that's a great, I think that's a great appointment. It's somebody who understands the club, but who will be realistic in, in the sense of, you know uh, how to make it work in the in the current circumstances he's you know we have to say that it's going to be very very difficult for the club to sort of progress in in a meaningful way in the circumstances we have i mean nothing's changed i mean i haven't sort of talked about uh you know sort of ambitions for this season or, or what the club should be looking for and all that kind of stuff because but effectively we're in you know we're in this sort of perpetual limbo where every season is just a season to kind of get through and um, you know, here we are again with the you know the owner still still checked out with the owner still f- you know fighting on in terms of sort of takeover and things like that, and with the infrastructure of the club not improving. Um, so it's about, it, in some ways, it's about sort of make do and mend. There's not going to be, you know, I, th- I, th- I think if ten years ago Mike Ashley had said, okay, fine, I, I'm not going to spend I'm not going to spend shitloads of money on players. That's just not what I want to do. But I will spend. 10 million quid or 20 million quid on the academy and you'll develop your own players. I think we could all buy into that. You know, I think we could have all sort of understood that and bought bought into that. You know, that the moment has gone. So, but um I'm I'm encouraged, very encouraged that Steve Harper's there. I would 
I would trust him with my life to do the right thing. Um, so, um, so I'm pleased about that. And you know, Stephen Caldwell, someone who knows the, um, sorry, Gary Caldwell is someone who knows the um, club, club very well. And uh, yeah, good luck to him. Absolutely, Chris. Uh, any news on Bobby Clark potentially moving to Liverpool? That's a question from Jack P on the app. Well, yeah, there's been a lot on this this summer. I, there's definitely interest there, and there definitely been talks. I think there is a decent chance that Bobby Clark, who is uh, the son of, of Lee Clark, one of the highest rated players in, in Newcastle's academy, uh, could well be, lo- be moving on. I think Spurs were linked with him early in the summer, a lot of other clubs as well. But I think there's, there is a decent chance he could be going to Liverpool, which will be a blow to, to, to Newcastle's youth set. We, we spoke the last couple of weeks about how Joe White's coming through and he looks positive, looked positive during pre-season. Elliot Anderson, unfortunately, has been injured for most of pre-season, but he broke through last year. But Bobby Clark was, for a long while, has been seen as a as a, as a future first-teamer, but maybe that isn't going to be at Newcastle United, unfortunately. But I'll tell you, you can tell him now if you're watching it, we're still fighting for this title and he's got to go to Middlesbrough and get something. And, and I'll tell you, honestly... I will love it if we beat them. Love it. So let's finish up. Um, we're going to do a new little thing now, something our our wonderful producer Ollie has dreamed up, uh, and we're all fully committed to this, honest. Uh, not like the quiz. Um, some reasons to be cheerful. Um, look, uh, the West Ham game, yeah, it wasn't a great start, we all know. Um, and there were times last season when, when the grind really got to us uh, and the gloom could creep back in before we even know it. So we're going to try and be proactive this week. Uh, and every week from now on, we'll be picking out something that we've enjoyed or has given us a little bit of hope. And you know what? It's not actually that difficult this week because there were quite a few bright spots. So I'm going to kick us off. And my reason to be cheerful this week, George and Chris, is uh, fans being back inside St. James's Park. I think it's a massive thing. I think the last 18 months that we've had has been torrid uh, and I think football being back the way it was and the way we love and know it uh, is a great thing and it it, it brought a smile to my face uh, seeing people back reuniting with friends and family and stuff like that in the pubs before the game so that's my reason to be cheerful. Chris how about you? No, that's a good one. I mean, it actually added context to football again, which is what I like. Whereas last year, I thought it was a lot did. of no context football. Yeah, it's just, it's just it's when awesome. you hear the sort of just you're sitting in the in the in the obviously I was in the press box. So I'm sure you'll have it in the stands or as you go in the games. And you just hear hilarious comments from people, just people chatting, and it just adds a bit of color and wonderful. So I'd agree with you on that one. But my reason to be cheerful, um, I'm going to be boring and say Joe Willock. Okay, good. Um, just the the fact that Newcastle have made a signing for a start. But also his energy is clearly needed in midfield. This is a system which seems to be built to get the best out of him. And I don't want to put too much pressure on his shoulders because I because I definitely don't think we should expect anywhere close to the sort of goal scoring ratio he had towards the end of last season. But um, he for him to to sign for six years, even if it took a, a, a roundabout way to actually get him there, and and there were issues he backwards and forth last week to, to before he finally signed the fact that he did the fact that he's through the door the fact that he does improve Newcastle's first 11 not just the squad that is my reason to be cheerful and hopefully he's involved in some way at Villa and that over the coming weeks he can really add the energy which Newcastle's midfield sorely lacked excellent George our resident chirpy Charlie how about you <laughs> reasons to be I'm going to try and be more cheerful this season, anyway. But um, well, here, 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 here to both of those. I'll just say so. I was, um, I was just looking through on my on my t- Twitter feed because um, uh, fellow Mark Martin has, has 
has basically talked about this about having fans fans back in the stadium mm. he said to me because um, I said on Twitter just how great it sounded on the radio he said it was even good to hear the guy in the road behind me moaning at every kick of the ball he <laughs> he complains about every player throughout the game the officials constantly about Bruce Rafa McLaren so on and so forth I'm glad <laughs> I didn't sit next to him during the Keegan years he doesn't even cheer if we score <laughs> which I just love I love and so we've all had this stuff on Twitter for the last 18 months you know and yeah. we're all moaning, but at least now we can do our moaning in in with each other, and we can do it uh, in the stadium. So I love that. I love that. Fantastic. Um, I think mine. Uh, I think mine is pretty sort of straightforward too. Um, you know, it's 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 sort of effectively Wilson Saint Maxima, but um, one of the things sort of in the interview that I loved um, from from Callum Wilson, basically just saying up front, I want twenty goals this season. I want mm, twenty goals yes. this season. It's the one thing that. Uh, is missing from his his kind of CV. He scored, scored twenty goals in other divisions. It's what he wants to do, and he's driven to try and get a place in uh, the World Cup squad. And obviously, Gareth Southgate was there on uh, over the weekend as well, which is kind of good. And him saying that Saint Maxima has come come back with the attitude that he wants to get in France's World Cup squad um, too. So you've got two, you know, two of Newcastle's. Two, Newcastle's two most important players, arguably, both both driven to do really well. But it was just really refreshing to hear Wilson say, "No, I want twenty goals this season, and I want us to be in the top 10. So, you know, we have all this existential stuff about the about the club and the ownership and uh, and the ambition. But certainly within within the playing squad, there is a desire. Uh, to improve so uh, yeah I love that and it was a good start in that sense it was a good start on, on Sunday Reasons to be cheerful One, two, three Brilliant. Yes, I love the positivity from Callum Wilson in that interview. I have to say, we said that at the time when we were talking about it the other week. Uh, and maybe with some uh, positive mindfulness, we can drag Newcastle fans off the bottom of all these optimism league tables that keep springing up on Sky Sports and stuff because we're like 3% of fans are optimistic about the season. Let's hope that that can turn around. Uh, okay, that'll do for this week. Thanks, George. Great to have you back. And happy birthday to you, Christopher Waffles, you old twat uh thank you all for listening uh and thanks for the questions and the comments on the app don't forget the athletic are offering a 33 discount to celebrate the start of the new premier league season the web address is theathletic.com forward slash newcastle pod to nab yourself a third off the price of subscription uh we'll be back next week keep your chins up and your noses clean look after yourselves bye bye Athletic.